I don't know these people. I'm not going to talk. Hi. Good morning. My name is Ryan. Hi. How are you? You all right? Hey, cool. Hey, so here's the deal. Just everyone come back every week. That'd be awesome. And we'll just keep doing this. Uh, hey, I have some announcements I want to get to real quick. Uh, thanks for, if you were here early, you saw us working out kinks. Like, get off of me. All right, there we go. Uh, hi. We, uh, have a little something afterwards. If you have kids with you, right out these doors, by the way, at the very end, we're going to do a little Easter egg hunt. So even if you don't have kids, that's like universally cute and fun to watch. And so, by the way, and someone asked me if there's an age limit. There isn't an age limit. So if you want to go, Aaron, I see, yeah, like 15 years, totally acceptable. So, uh, so this is me being rusty because you guys went so fast that I couldn't get my mic. And so deal with it. It's a prodigal church. Uh, This morning, if this is your first time back in a long time, I just want to read something to you uh, that kind of defines who we are. And we borrowed it, straight up stole it from our sister church, Highlands Church in Denver. Uh, I just want to read this. Maybe you got one of these on your, your, like, door, and that's why you're here. We printed a bunch of these at Office Max. This one's all jacked up just like me. Uh, And so it's perfect. I keep it in my pocket. It says this, married, divorced, and single here. It's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here. We've all got to give a little here. Big and small here, there's room for us all here. Doubt and believe here, we can all receive here. LGBTQ and straight here, there is no hate here. Woman and man here, everyone can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us, grace here. That, my friends, is a beautiful manifesto that will take work and striving and effort to actually live out and not just create cute little cards and put stuff on websites, but it's our heart, man. It's our heart uh, because we see it as the heart of God. I'm getting ahead of myself. I do have announcements. We usually have child care. There's a bunch of kids running around. It's beautiful. There's, a, there's like child care for kids up through fifth or five years old right now. Usually you can drop off like your sixth grader over there up and, and down. And then the rest of them we want in here just so they feel like this is their church. And I'm still a youth pastor no matter what my job title is. So they should have fun with us. Uh, and so next week we're going to dig into uh, what we're doing for a long time. We're digging into really what's just the most beautiful basic teaching of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be in that for like just forever. Uh, So we're in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you don't even know what that means, it's this countercultural, that can't be true, it sounds upside down and backwards teaching of how to actually be human, how to treat each other, how to care about things. And so there won't be any sort of really cool, sexy sort of packaging on it. It's just this gritty, raw Jesus teaching about what it means to be human. Uh, this place exists because, well, I was addicted to everything under the sun uh, for the first couple decades of my life and then stumbled into a church hungover. So if you're hungover today, it's a good start. Uh, so glad you're here. It's Saturday night, man. What are you going to do? Uh, but I stumbled in and a year later, uh, I was actually mad that I believed it to be true. Uh, I, was, I was like early 20s. I was like, this is the time to be alive. I went to ASU. They messed like, they just, that's all you do is party there. I was loving it. And then I was like, oh crap, I think this is true. And so I surrendered to Jesus. That was my word. I like made all my passwords surrender in some way with like an exclamation point, surrender. And then I'd add like an exclamation point because it wasn't working. Surrender, you know, surrender. And, um, but I actually fell into this thing because I, I thought, oh shoot, it's actually true. There actually is a God. And that was about 18 years ago now. Um, And I just had no idea the ride that was going to go on. But here's the point. We started this church and called it Prodigal Church because when I came to faith in this this, this mysterious, sometimes frustrating, sometimes absent, sometimes overwhelming me with his love God, um, my friends told me, you're the least likely person we would have thought this would happen to. 
You're the least likely person we thought this would ever happen to. And they're looking at me like I betrayed them. They're like, what the heck? You're religious now? And I'm like, I know, it's gross. I don't know what to do, though. And, uh, and then I got a job. Now I work for God. That's weird. Okay, so I'm going to dive in today. Uh, we're going to take an offering. If you're new or if you're skeptical of me, you probably should be skeptical. You don't know me. And we're like, give us your money. Uh, but if you believe in the church that's trying to create a place where everyone can come, no matter who they are, um, then help us out. That'd be awesome. You give to what you believe in. If you don't believe in us, keep your money and go get a big fat lunch. Uh, so I'm going to be in John chapter 20 in just a few minutes because it's hilarious. A quick story for the kids that are stuck in the room, just trying to get some candy. Uh, I was at a Diamondbacks game, and they're kind of good this year, which is weirding me out. Uh, but I was uh, with my ex-girlfriend, so uh, we were hanging out, and I didn't want my breath to smell, so I chewed some gum. And I'm sitting there in the first inning chewing gum, and I don't usually chew gum. I switch to the Listerine breath strips. You're welcome, everyone within three feet of me. Uh, but I'm chewing gum on this day, and uh, eventually I'm like, why do people do this? This is annoying. My mouth is tired, uh, but I don't want to be a jerk and to put my gum, like, under the seat. Don't do that today. These aren't our chairs. Uh, but I'm sitting there, and I don't want to get up because I have good seats. My buddy gave them to me. So I did what I, you know, I grew up and I heard if you swallow your gum, it'll like live in your intestines for like 40 years or something, which is totally, it's totally true, kids. Um, but I was like, whatever, I'm a rebel. And so I swallowed my gum and then just watched the baseball game. <laughs> this is such a dumb story. Uh, and then it was like six or seven innings later, that's like two hours, I burped and it was back. Do you understand what happened? It went into the depths of my, my stomach, hung out for like six innings, and was like, hello. And I, was, and I, I didn't want to tell her. I figured I'd wait 20 years and tell you uh, what had just happened. But I didn't know what to do because it felt like really special gum. It felt like I'm supposed to keep chewing this gum. So, was, so just don't tell me that resurrection isn't possible is the point of my story. Because I have a piece of gum I want to tell you about that went into the depths of the grave. True story. Hey, here's why we're here. Let's just center in on this for just a second. That's, that story's pointless and doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just for the kids and for, for whoever laughed right here, Hayden. Uh, John 20 says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, so super early, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the one Jesus loved, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. She thought he got stolen, which is weird. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So, you ever read this? This is ridiculous. So, Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. P.S., the other disciple is writing this letter. This is John. This is the Gospel of John. The other disciple, by the way, who one who Jesus loves is John. The man with the pen in his hands is highlighting. Watch. So Peter and the other disciple, who will remain nameless, started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. The other guy didn't believe anything. He just went in there like an idiot. 
That's what that's paraphrased. That's not in the Bible. They still didn't understand that the scriptures that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Um, I love that in the most important page of the Bible, there's like all this like insecurity welling up in John. Like it just how bad do you want to hug him? Like you just need a hug. Like you you put in the eternal writings of scripture clear proof that you are an insecure small man who has to prove to the world that I'm better than Peter. I love it that he has to tell you uh, I'm the one he loves. He loves mostly me. You know, we've all got a favorite kid, Hadley. Uh, just kidding, Griffin. Uh, Gavin, I forgot they're in the room. But uh, we... <laughs> We've got John on the pages of scripture saying, I'm the first one to believe, except for the girls that were there first. Sorry, pal. Uh, but it's this beautiful. Here's this other story from the 1 Corinthians 15. Then I want to get into what we're doing today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is Paul writing, and he's just doing a little bit of apologetics work. He says this, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I like when the Bible sounds cool and it doesn't mean to. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you believed in vain. He says this in verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you. He's like, this is the most important thing. As of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelfth. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Beautiful. So it's this story of Jesus showing up post, like, I was dead, like, really dead, super dead, not, like, mostly dead, all the way dead, dead for four days, like, three days. Got that wrong story in my head for a second. Four days was Lazarus. We'll get to that. Jesus is super dead all the way, tomb locked. He's all of a sudden out of the tomb, just Nobody stole his body because that'd be really creepy, especially because they stole it naked because all the linens were in there. Uh, ew. Why, uh, no. I'm wrapping that. Anyway, that's just a gross, weird thought. People say that. Oh, they just stole the body of Jesus. Yeah. So there was one guy that was like, all right, let's take the body, but first, let's get him naked. <laughs> what? Like, that's just twisted. That's just some HBO show I don't want to watch. Like, I don't know what's happening in that dude's world. Uh, here he is now post-resurrection, and he shows up. And this is what really got me is that he appeared to 500 people. He's just walking around. Like six weeks of Jesus, like, yeah, I was dead. Uh, that got old, so now I'm just alive again. Um, but the disciples had already seen that, which is crazy and it sounds otherworldly. But I want you to go, if you have your Bible, beautiful. I'm going to go to John chapter 11 today, and we're going to do some work. We'll do an Easter egg hunt. But, you know, Easter, you, if you come to Christmas and Easter and Christmas and Easter, you kind of heard the story. You heard John. Well, maybe you never saw the insecurities, but... You heard 1 Corinthians 15. You've heard that apparently Jesus rose from the dead. Um, and then I believe it. Uh, but then you leave and you're like, well, so what? Like, what does that have to do with my, like, actual real life? And I'd love to show you just an incredible, I want to take a different approach to the story you've heard before. And if you grew up in church, if you're a little older, you did, like, the flannel graph, whatever in the world that is, or some coloring books of Lazarus. And uh, there's all sorts of stories that you've heard, but maybe... Because you've heard it so many times, maybe you've never really heard it. And so I want to take a fresh approach to John 11 this morning. And if it's heresy, it won't be the first time I'm accused of that, and I'm totally okay with it. Uh, but I want to have some fun with you. You ready? It's a little bit of a long story, and so I'm going to get my words per minute going. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. So like a close friend of Jesus is sick. 
Like, if you want to have a close friend when you're sick, it's probably the one who can, like, rise from the dead, cure all diseases, created mankind. Here he is sick. You been there? You had the flu? You got the, sh- you got the shot and still got the flu? You laid out? You're just miserable? You prayed and you're hoping something happens? Wouldn't it be nice if, like, you know, God in the flesh was one of your, like, best friends? That'd be great. And here's Jesus um, doing nothing. When he heard this, Jesus said, no, this sickness won't end in death. It's for the glory of God, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so the whole family. And when he heard what he was sick, so when he heard when he was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That's not loving. And then he said to his disciples, all right, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to kill you. And you want to go back? Jesus said something kind of a riddle. Aren't there 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime won't stumble, for they'll see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. All the disciples looked at him like, you have a friend that's sick. What? That's kind of what I would have said. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, just kind of bluntly, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. The disciples, it's hope for all of us, Lord, if he sleeps... He'll get better. Jesus was speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So gentle Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Ugh, Jesus is kind of a jerk in that moment, right? You go, wait, this is not funeral appropriate talk. No, he's just dead. Well, you knew he was sick two days ago the heck you been doing? This is pre-Xbox. You got nothing going on. You could, what? I don't understand. Then Thomas, they call him Doubting Thomas, but check him out. Also known as Didymus. I'd have gone with that. He said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go there that we may die with him. What a bad rap. Jesus? (laughs) Just hit all off. There we go. We're in control today. Uh, I'm begging. So Doubting Thomas all of a sudden is like, hey, I'm ready to die for this guy. Let's go back to Judea, even though we might die there. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Verse 31, or 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here... My brother would not have died. And then she's like, got really good theology again. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And watch her. She gets like systematic theology going on. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. That's good. He's like, no, no, no. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. I am the event. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe you're the Messiah, the one we've been waiting forever for, the Son of God who has come into the world. After he said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, and he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the, ter- to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said the same thing sister said, 
Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. The technical term for that is um, guilt trip. Just looking right at him, like, where were you? When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And verse 35, Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind man, that's John chapter 9, have kept this man from dying? I love it, the skeptics in the crowd. They're sitting there like, where, where in the world were you? And I love that he cries, um, because if you've heard the story, read the story, you know what happens. I love that he's capable of sitting in the midst of their pain and like not like just fixing it right away. My wife's in the room, and so I have to admit that I am a fixer. Uh, and I am, I got this, and there's a verse for that, and don't worry, it's going to work out, and all that. But here's Jesus, who has, you know, the ultimate magic wand. And instead of like, ta-da, it's all better, cupcakes, you know, he doesn't do that. He just weeps with them and, and hurts with them, and it's, it's beautiful. Now, let's finish the story, because there's so much that I want to unpack. Just a couple, actually, a couple things. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and he said, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been dead for four days. It's just gross. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him loose. What a crazy story. Uh, so you'll read throughout the pages of the New Testament that freedom, this idea of freedom, this fullness, this abundance of life is a really big story, uh, is a really big plot in the story of Jesus. He is, it's a big deal to Jesus. So like when he came in Luke chapter 4 and said, I've come to set the captives free, he wasn't starting a prison ministry. He was talking about those of us that, for whatever reason, have found ourselves enslaved and trapped on some sort of addictions or tendencies or something that's killing us that we can't free ourselves from, some sort of oppression, self-imposed, or maybe empire-imposed. Jesus said, I, I came to set you free from that. I've come to set you free from all sorts of things, but I want to set you free. I want you to experience freedom. And this is just one story where he, he shows it in a beautiful way, but uh, for the teenagers in the room, when you think of freedom, you think, just let me do what I want. Give me a car. Let me get out. You know, that sort of, that's teenage freedom. The, the ability to do whatever you want is a very American kind of version of freedom. Like, don't tell me what to do. Like, is anyone, did anyone else master that in junior high? End up in detention every single day like me. You can't, you're not my dad. And even my dad, like, you can't tell me either. I'm free in me. Like, that's, free, that's petty teenage freedom. And there's better freedom than that. Uh, someday kids. The kind of freedom he's talking about is the freedom to actually be the person you were made to be. The freedom, the ability to become who he says you are. The freedom to become the kind of person who, who feels the way you should feel and think the way you should think and 
love the way you should love and be free of some things that have been just clinging to you. Maybe you're here today and it's Easter and you just don't want to lie to me or BS anymore and I can't say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm in trouble now. But maybe you just, let's just peel back the layer on sort of church talk and, and can we just all be honest? Maybe you're here today and you're saying like, I'd love to be free. I would love to be free. I'd love to experience freedom. I'd love to be free. I'd love to just breathe in and know that I'm not caged in some thing. I put, I'd love to be free, but it's just too late. It's just been too long. Maybe there's a little voice in your head that's saying, not you, not today, not, not, not enough momentum, not enough good songs. The sermon's definitely not going to be good enough today for you to be free, but maybe someone else on your row, like, right? You'll believe these things. You'll go, maybe someone else in the room will experience something, but probably just not me, not today. It's, they just didn't do enough with the lighting. Uh, you know, we can fill in all the blanks. Like, there's just not enough something. I've, you don't know what I have to do after this. I have to go see my family after that. You just don't understand. There's just too late. There's too many skeletons in my closet. There's too many secrets that I'm keeping. That sounds a lot like what the sister said to Jesus. Lord, if you had just come sooner. Lord, if you'd just come sooner, if I'd just heard this sooner, if I'd just tried this sooner, if I'd just not done that, if you had just shown up sooner, maybe it's my fault, but if, if you would just come sooner, it's just not going to happen for me, not this time. I'm just standing here in front of you just saying to you, I promise you that it doesn't matter when he comes. It doesn't matter when he shows up. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how many things are wrapped around you. It doesn't matter how heavy the grave clothes are on you. It doesn't matter how long you've been locked up in whatever tomb you've been locked up in. It doesn't matter when he shows up. What matters is that he does show up, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in your little tomb, and it doesn't matter even how pretty you are today. I dressed up for you today. This is blue. This ain't black. If you don't know me, this is a big deal, all right? I'm wearing brown shoes. Some of you are freaking out. That's the first time I got you to clap because I'm wearing colors. I'm not going to wear a suit, even if you die. I'm going to be wearing a T-shirt at your thing because I just get sweaty. I love you, but, man, I have limits. And you got, you got fancy today. Some you, I love your face right now. You're looking at me like, who's this dude? What is he saying? I'm saying that I'm fancy today, and you're looking fancy today. This is Ryan fancy. This is all you get. I'm going to change when I get home because I'm going to go see my family. They don't need fancy. Lead pastor needs fancy. You're here today. Your kids look dope. You got new outfits on them. My little girl's got a dress made me cry. My wife looks, I'm not going to, she's beautiful. Y'all look fancy. I was going to say, like, smoking hot and then punch myself in the face. Oh, why do pastors always call their wives smoking hot? It's so weird. Don't. But you're fancy, and I'm on a rant right now, and we're just going to ride it and see where it goes. You're fancy today. You look good. Everything's great today. You fought on the way here. You fought last night. <laughs> your kids are crazy, and you're so glad we've got them right now because your family life's a little bonkers, and it just sort of stinks right now. Isn't it true? For some of us, just, just maybe one of us would be honest and say, my life kind of stinks right now, and it's my fault. Did you notice that when Jesus showed up on the scene and the body that should have been behind a big rock, a big sealed rock, was behind the rock, which they loved that rock. They were like, leave that rock there. That rock is a good rock. That rock is blocking what's inside of that rock in that tomb. Do you know what's in there? Rigor mortis for four days. You know what happens after three days? It starts kicking in, and it's just gross. It's Easter, so we don't need to get into the science. But they were glad for the rock that was blocking the stench. Did you notice that the stench of death didn't bother Jesus one bit? God, isn't that good? Like, they were all like, whoa, 
you don't want to move that. And he's like, doesn't bother me one bit. But he'll just stand there and smell it. Isn't that wild? When everybody else was like, no, 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 you don't want to move that. He's all the way dead. They actually had a, um, a belief at the time that the soul would like linger for three days over the body. The rabbis taught that your soul like hung out for a few days. You were just like mostly dead. And then fourth day, it was like, all right, I'm out of here. So this is the fourth day. He is in there. I love the K. I only really love one thing about the KJV. It's this verse. They said, Lord, uh, he stinketh. He stinketh. It's so beautiful. Lord, you move that rock and he stinketh. You just throw an ETH on anything, it's KJV, it's beautiful. <laughs> so, Lord, he stinks. And uh, I remember fourth grade, I moved in with my aunt and my uncle because we were homeless and my dad just needed a place. And so we went there and they had 20, 27 cats. Picture it, be there. 27 cats, one bathtub, not a shower, just a bathtub. You know who likes bathtubs? Cats! Cats love bathtubs. You know, what didn't work? The bathtub. You know how many people lived in that house? 11. 27 cats. And I didn't even tell you yet, 17 dogs. How many friends did Ryan have? None. Do you know why? I was the stinky kid in class. Isn't this sad? This was 30 years ago. I'm okay. But in 1988, I was the stinky kid in class. I love your faces right now. The empathy. Like, you even know how the story ends. You're so Jesus-like right now. You're weeping for 10-year-old me. Yeah, and I would show up in class, and kids would be like, the heck? You know, they'd, like, check their shoe, and I'm like, it's my shoes. It's my shirt. It's my pants. It's my hair. It's my face. It's everything. They, like, put me in a class to teach me how to brush my teeth. I was like, I brush my teeth next to 27 cats. I can't help it. You can't, you cannot not smell like a cat when there's 27 of them like, I lived here before you, right? I'm just a visitor in cat kingdom and 17 dogs who, by the way, if you're like, um, someone should call the authorities. No, they were taken care of really, really well. They still smelled. And so I smelled. And so I would go to my little school and I remember kids would just be like, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. And I remember this one kid, Brian, and I remember him because I'll never forget you, Brian you're listening, that he was like, I can't sit next to him. Does anyone have any Lysol? And he starts shouting in class, and I'm like, oh, can I disappear? Oh, my gosh. I know, so sad. So sad. This little 10-year-old me, um, we moved out. Fifth grade started, you know, like cleaning myself, and it was a whole new, whole new world. Uh, but in the meantime, in the fourth grade, I'm, I know what it was like for people to not want to be anywhere near me. It's a cute story, and it's a true story, unless it's true about you today. Maybe not literally, but maybe, like, you feel like, like people are avoiding me. Like maybe the decay in your heart is pretty bad from years of hiding in some tomb. And maybe you're here at Prodigal Church. We named the church Prodigal Church, you bunch of runaways. We named it for people who don't feel like they can come home. Because there's probably a few of us in the room who when maybe the decay in your heart in whatever way smelled a little bit too much for someone, another Christian was like, oh, I, mm-mm. Maybe another Christian stepped back when you were honest about something. And we're trying. We're all such fickle, feeble, silly creatures, but we can really hurt each other. We can, especially if you love someone and they take a step back. When you try to be honest and someone else says, that's a little bit too much for me, Jesus won't. 
Even if other Christians step back in your story, not Jesus. He will stand there, whatever it is, and it won't bother him one bit. Isn't that beautiful today if you're walking in here struggling? Like it's not always going to be a pity party up in here, but man, if someone walked in here and you're like, this is just the segue to the Easter egg hunt. Can you, can we just get to that? You're maybe trying to avoid the honest, beautiful truth that no matter what you're wrapped up in, he won't take a step away from you. He'll step towards you. Lazarus was in that tomb, literally rotting, and Jesus said, move the stone. I have work to do. I love him, and I'm going to do something beautiful. Move the stone. Move the stone. Lazarus, come out. Any of us can shout that. Wave magic wands. Nothing's happening. Jesus says it. Lazarus comes alive. He heard his voice and he came alive. And now imagine this scenario. He's wrapped up in grave clothes, literally. He's still wrapped up in this stuff that's supposed to just keep him in his little spot. And Imagine if like, you're Lazarus. Just be there. You're dead. But apparently your ears work. And you hear, Lazarus, come out. I mean, you're in a cave. Maybe you can remember your life. Maybe you can remember being sick. You can remember, I don't know. But then the reality of I'm in a cave and I'm alive. I'm alive in a cave. And you got people outside. This doesn't bother me. But maybe it would bother you to have a bunch of people looking at you. If you were being really vulnerable and a bunch of people were looking, maybe if you're Lazarus and you were just dead, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> he was totally dead. Like if you were dead and now you're alive but you're still wrapped up in stuff. You might get embarrassed and, like, not want the crowd to see you. And so you just, like, make a quick, oh, hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, everyone. Hi, Mary. Hi, Martha. Hey. Yeah, craziest thing. Um, yeah, I was dead, I guess. Oh, man, yeah. But, hey, here's the thing. I'm in, I, I smell. I smell real bad still. Um, so, hey, Jesus, um, could, you, could you come in here? Could you just, real quick, could you just come in here? Because I, we, we, I need some help. Uh, no, 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 you guys, you guys stay. Jesus, would you just come in here? Yeah, into my tomb. Yeah, just come in here real quick. Can we just, can, I, can you help me real quick? You, I will be right out in a little bit. Jesus, will you come in my tomb real quick? And can you and I just unwrap all this? Can, can you just help me, just you? I trust you. No, I got to come out. I need to come out there. They're going to see me if I come out there. They're going to see what I'm wrapped up in if I come out there. They might even, like, have to be near me. They're going to try to help me. Can you, no, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay. This is, it's not bad. You know, I mean, I just put some pictures up, maybe some curtains, poke a hole in the roof, get some light in here. This isn't, this ain't bad. I could, ma I could make this work. That's such a silly illustration of what we want to do. We all want these quiet little tombs where we can just call Jesus in once in a while. And we all want these quiet little tombs that nobody ever has to come into and nobody ever has to know about. We can keep our secrets in here. We can keep our, we can keep our grave clothes on in here. We, we just want to, like, decorate our little 
little tombs. You've heard the voice of God. You've come alive. You know you're loved. But we're all prone to stay. And the reasons that we have to stay all stick. We all say, you know, it's not that bad. I can manage this. I mean, the grave, you know, it's not terrible. Like, if you've been invited out of a tomb into life, into community, where other people can help you, like, take off all of the grave clothes and come alive, that is a courageous step out of darkness and into light. But it's the same invitation he gave this literal dead man and every one of us who wants to play games and wants to hide. The thing I had going for me from day one in a church is they knew I was hungover, and they knew I wanted to hook up with every girl there, and they knew I was a felon, so I never had to lie. I walked in like, da, 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 I'm a loser. Then I loved it. I was like, depravity, two cups, please, yes. And they never had to wonder who I was. But I met, met a bunch of Christians that were like, howdy doody, hunky dory. And I was like, stop it. It's not real. You're not real. A couple of more. And I was like, how'd you get there? But the rest of us are a mess. And we need to know that we can be a mess and be surrounded by some people who will help us take off all the old us and step into something new. Imagine if Lazarus had just stayed for the rest of his life like, well, someday I'll go to heaven. Is that the best Jesus can do in that moment? Now he's like, get out here and come alive and experience life. John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. You have all sorts of reasons to stick with death, but the resurrection says something new can happen in your life. Whether you're 20, 30, 40, or 3, something new can happen. Resurrection says, yes, someday something's going to happen, but today resurrection can happen in your life. It's kind of all that God does is take dead things and really broken things and bring them to life and make them new in this life. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Um, and here's, I, you can't solve everything with one sermon or one song even. You can't. But I can just stand here and say, hey, we'll be here every week. And we'll be in homes every week. And we're just working out this life together. And this is a community that no matter what you're wrapped up in, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you love, you can, you can step out of darkness. You can actually be a real mess. They hired the biggest mess to lead the thing. So you fit right in real well. So today, no matter what you're wrapped up in or no matter how long it's been, um, maybe you would just decide to step out. Maybe for you, that's just being really honest with one person you trust about something that you've been hiding. Like, maybe do it on Monday. If you don't want to mess up Easter, <laughs> we're just trying to have some ham, Pastor. <laughs> maybe it's Monday morning. You tell someone that you trust. Maybe it's just, I just need someone to know that most people are only getting 90% of me or 9% of me. I just need someone to know that I'm not so sure about all this, but I, I still want to be a part of this. I just need someone to know that I can't stop drinking. I just need someone to know that I'm only showing you the very, very top of the iceberg that is my life. I just need someone to really know 
And if that someone is sitting next to you or if that someone's you and me grabbing coffee, I'm in. This is a place that you've got to push past awkward. Who cares? You get one life. And the invitation to step out into something beautiful is one that I'll stand here and promise you, you'll never regret it. It might cost you some awkwardness or some tension, maybe more. You'll never once regret taking off whatever grit. In fact, what does he say? He doesn't say, Lazarus, take off those grave clothes. What does he say? Go help him. Go help him take all that off. So he sends people in to help. Lazarus might have been like, I can do it myself. And Jesus goes, will you just stop it? So let me pray for you, and then we'll, uh, I'll come back up in just a second after one more song. So Jesus, we, um, we believe in you. We don't always understand what you're doing, many of us. Um, but if this invitation is true, if the resurrection is true, and if you were just showing off with Lazarus what you can do with our physical bodies, what, what more could you do with our hearts and minds and souls and our loves and our affections and some of the desires that are misguided. The way you describe it is new birth. So just like a baby with all that potential and all that love, could you do that in us? Could you give us a new life and a new hope? And we might have to learn how to walk in that newness. We might have to figure out what it looks like to, to actually be alive and to stop decorating our little, our little caves. So today I just pray that for the rest of the day, that this would linger, that this message, that this thought, this invitation would linger, and that you would give us steps to take to experience this life the way you want us to. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.